Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, February 28th edition of the Basement Academy. Today's reflection is going to be kind of more pastoral, less about teaching and explaining. And the, the, the question that's come in is very sensitive. It reflects a, a situation in a particular family. And uh, I hope you'll listen all the way through, watch all the way through. Um, may not be your family's circumstance, but um, there's something about the shared life that we um, live uh, as the people of God. And so if nothing else, as you listen or watch all the way through, would you lift your prayers for a family that is facing a particular uh, challenge and need? And perhaps there's something uh, in your own life that, that might be addressed. So let me start with our morning psalm. It's a tricky little psalm. <laughs> it's a little long, but I think it, it sets a little bit of a backdrop for a, a situation of challenge. So this is Psalm 88. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who were cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Oh. Psalm 88, it's in our Bibles because we need to learn how to pray our sadness, our brokenness, our despair when darkness seems our closest friend, when death intervenes and it feels like we are lost when we've experienced pain and, and, and affliction from our youth, which often sits in each of us because of family dynamics. So Psalm 88 is one we need to learn how to pray. Okay, let me read uh, the question as it comes. 
A few years ago, a family member who was a prominent part of our greater Noakesville community died. Despite a lifetime of wealth, he was a very angry and unkindly man who consciously chose to meet death with a heart closed to any reconciliation and love, even refusing prayers on his deathbed. Later, it was realized that he had cut out his only living child in his will, denying her not just an inheritance in his substantial estate, but the affirmation of paternal love, something that will forever hurt this woman. How do we reconcile such actions with concepts of justice and redemption in the afterlife? Does this refusal to open his heart at life's end reflect a soul that is or was irrevocably lost? Mm. My heart just hurts to, to, to read this. So I've been sitting with this for a couple days, figuring out how, how to come at this. So I'm going to offer a pastoral reflection rather than an explainer. Or, or just teaching on justice in the afterlife. And so I, I've, I've entitled this, you can see on the whiteboard here, On Death, Eternal Justice, Family Inheritance, and Redemption. <clears throat> death is the great mystery. So death is what created or, or locked this situation in place, right, in, in some ways. Uh, we all lose loved ones, and so death is the mystery that we face as we, as we part with, with family members and loved ones. But death is the great mystery that we will all face one day our, ourselves. Now, as Christians, because so, so, we're Christians here, this is a Christian podcast and, and pastor. <laughs> as Christians, we believe certain realities that, about death that, that come from our scriptures. Uh, we believe that death is designed by God. It is God's idea, okay? Um, we have in our New Testament story, uh, our uh, scripture, the wages of sin is death that reflects back to a story from the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam, if you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that forbidden fruit, on that day surely you will die. They did eat, but they didn't die. Physical death did not come to them immediately, but a spiritual death did. So, so we have this notion of a physical death and a spiritual death, okay? So, so we have that, that reality. But death is also a grace of sorts because death puts a limit to human sin and wickedness and brokenness and suffering and sorrow. So many of us, if not all of us, have had a loved one towards the end of their life. They were in such pain. We pray for them to die, that they may be out of their pain, right? So there's a grace. Plus, we see also death limits. So the the, the evildoers, the Hitlers and the Saddams and the, the Osama bin Ladens and the you know, Mao Zedongs and all these others, death limits the evil they can do. So death is a grace of, uh, of sorts. Um, it is tragic and, and, and sorrowful. Um, we experience it um, uh, personally and within the human family. Uh, and we weep. Um, um, and it, there's this deeper human reality of, 
as again Christians, the, the reality and reminder of the fall and of human sin. But we also know death is not final. Death is not final. We, we have a witness in our scriptures that there is something beyond, right? The, what we call the, might call the afterlife. And in that afterlife, for God's people, there is no death. There is no pain. There is no sorrow. There are no tears. Every tear is wiped away. And we know that death is not final because Jesus has conquered the grave. And so resurrection gives us hope, okay? Um, and there is a scripture, Hebrews 9, verse 27, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 21, it, it's 27, I'm sorry. It is appointed for man that he would die once and then after that to face judgment. Death is the judgment in some ways. Sinners die. And so the only way Jesus could die because he was sinless was for him to take on the sin of the world. Otherwise, he would not have been able to have, have died. Okay, so, so we know things about death. Okay, just want to start there. The, the question or the sadness comes when a loved one, a family member dies as we have written here in this question, in this very poignant um, story here. When a loved one or a family member dies without having giving, given any clear witness to faith in God or Jesus Christ, or has a track record of life choices and habits and patterns and words and actions that are destructive of health, destructive of healthy relationships, the paternal love as, as referred to here, and an action taken in life that actually goes beyond the grave because when the will is read, a, a will is only read after someone has died. And so an action was taken in life that reflects a pattern of behavior and an inclination of the heart. And so something in life showed up after death. So, so the question and, and a, a sadness. And so this is complicated. Death is complicated. It, it unleashes complicated emotions for us, complicated thoughts. The good news of the gospel is that there is a remedy God has for death. He executed his plan. He sent his son Jesus to condemn sin in the flesh, to die on the cross, to reconcile all things the scripture uh, I've got Colossians 1. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself, that is God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, so Jesus' death and resurrection are a reconciling act. Um, reconciliation biblically speaking, is setting things right. There may be other ways of understanding reconciliation in, in kind of human terms, um, reconciling uh, books, that, you know, things balance out, things are made right, they, they cohere, right? There's a correspondence, okay? So reconciliation has, has um, many, mean, many sides to it. What I would say is that, that we are wise to leave questions of the afterlife to the one who judges, and that is not us. And so, 
there's nothing we can do for an individual who has died now. The hope of the gospel is that that none of us are welcomed into eternal life by our own merits, but only on the mercy and merits of Jesus Christ. So I don't earn my way into heaven. Secondly, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thanks be to God. All of us should say that. So I'm not trying to make a statement whether this deceased loved one is in heaven or not. What I am saying is that's God's business, not ours. And, and, and what we have is the life that remains, okay? The, the pastoral concern I have is for those who remain, the, 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 the individual of the family standing behind this. What opportunity does life now afford? Death has come. This person's life has ended. Actions and, and patterns and long trajectories are now ended. But there are some arcs that, that continue after death, right? There is an arc, a trajectory that continues, the will, etc. And so grief is complicated enough without adding to it our anger, the reality of unspoken words or spoken words or actions that, that linger beyond the grave, uh, as indicated, the lack of paternal love. Um, so I just have a broken heart. I just, I guess that's the, I just have a broken heart for this family, for this situation. I could wish it were different. And so I want to speak to ways that maybe there are opportunities going forward, okay? So speaking on death, speaking on eternal justice, we, we leave eternal justice and we pray the mercy and reconciling work of God. But the family inheritance, typically we think of family inheritance. It's the property, it's the estate, it's the assets. Wealth is handed from generation to generation. So we think of physical wealth, a physical inheritance, and typically, and I think I was speaking about this last week on maybe Thursday or so about the generation to generation campaign and how to think about money, et cetera. Maybe that might've been Friday. Um, typically we use money and we pass that down to bless the next generation, to enhance their lives, to encourage and support them and communicate a love beyond the grave, okay? I want your life to go well, so I leave assets to family members, right? So that's typically how we do it. But sometimes the physical inheritance that is left actually does harm more than good. Family members fight over it, right? We, we've all seen stories of that and probably heard some stories. And there are trust funders who become soft and they live an indulgent life and their life becomes ruinous because they don't have to work anymore. They've got all, all the money, etc. So just because there is a physical inheritance that is passed down, wealth and, and assets, sometimes those assets do not bless as maybe they were intended. And so just as there's physical death and spiritual death, so there's a physical inheritance and a spiritual inheritance. We pray, Psalm 23, that goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life so that when I'm gone, my life behind me, I would leave goodness and love and mercy, that, that my memory and, and, and you know the spiritual inheritance I leave would be rich. And so the spiritual inheritance we leave, and this individual 
seems not to have left seemingly a helpful spiritual inheritance, right? Okay, we're sp- parents are supposed to teach and show their children how to live well, right? And so there was not a, a positive example in this regard, but sometimes negative example actually serves a very good purpose. This is kind of the notion of the scared straight. You know, you, you, you point to the person in prison and point out the things they did and say, kids, don't do that, right? So we learn by positive example, by imitation, and, and, and we, we, we take on certain characteristics that we've had modeled for us. And so we learn by positive example, but we learn by negative example. So the, the negative example that this individual has left may actually serve, again, I'm offering this pastorally, as part of the spiritual inheritance that leads to good. Who would want to leave that kind of legacy for the next generation, okay? So for children and grandchildren, so, so, so that negative inheritance, the, the, the being cut out of the will, actually can be an opportunity to say, hey, here's how not to live a life. And it seems just from what's written here, this person who is now deceased showed how not to live. That can be a positive thing, can be a blessing in dis- disguise, as it were. Uh, I heard recently somebody tell a story and they said, sometimes losses are wins in disguise. And I would point to the cross of Jesus Christ because that was a great loss when Jesus died. The, the, it built into the very gospel itself, here is one who was treated poorly and yet out of that, that brokenness and the cross and the pain and the suffering came redemption. Ah, we're back to redemption. I, I'm not just trying to put a rosy spin on things because this is serious, this is honest, this is how I would counsel this individual, if I were to, to speak to them, well, I am speaking to them, but but if we were to be face to face. So the conversation and the family that is struggling around all this, it's so very complicated. There is loss, there is death, there is tears, there is pain, there, there's, there's lingering pain. But things have gotten clarified. Sometimes things are so bad, they're actually good, okay? You can see things so, so clear now. And so the redemptive opportunity that now awaits this family, the family now has an opportunity to benefit, to profit, not, not necessarily financially maybe, right? The, the will is decided, <laughs> Although I suppose other family members who might have received, I don't, I don't, what, what happened to the estate? It went somewhere, right? So, so, so there may not be any, any earthly material, uh, financial profit, but there is a, an opportunity for spiritual benefit and profit from such an egregiously bad example. And it begins with a decision like this, insofar as it depends on me, That's some language from the book of Romans. Insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Insofar as it depends on me, I am going to benefit from this negative example and I am not going to live my life 
remotely like that. <laughs> I have seen and I, and I feel, I, I feel what, what it's like to be in a family that has been paternally shepherded in such a way. I would never want to do that to somebody else. I would not want to do this to my children. I would not want to do this to my neighbors. I would want to not do this to my friends. So again, you know, I don't know all the circumstances behind this. And so an opportunity now awaits to build spiritual wealth, spiritual assets, develop a heart that is set on true riches. This individual's heart who had a sizable estate, again, I don't know all the details, but his heart might have been set on earthly riches and which is, and that may be a witness of what happens. His heart just shriveled up and he, he lost the ability to see true riches. And so the family now has an opportunity to set their heart where true treasure is. Those who have been wounded and the wounds are real, they don't, don't, want to deny that, now face a choice. I will live that same way and I will wound others the way I have been wounded. I'm going to leave behind me a legacy that was left for me. So that choice, I am going to live out of my woundedness, out of my pain, out of my anger, and I'm going to be an angry, wounded person and everybody else better look out. <laughs> or I'm going to make a choice, say, I am going to forsake that wounded, angry, broken legacy, and I am going to live differently. I'm going to choose life. So I, I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 30. I, I've got that written on here. This is Moses, his swan song as he is preparing to exit life. God said, you're not going to enter. He's handed the baton to Joshua. These are the last few words of Moses before he dies and the Israelites press on. So this is Moses, Deuteronomy 30. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. So it can be done. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so this poignant 
human story. It's tragic, right? It, it, it's someone in our midst, in the basement academy, in the, the, the community. Choose life. Choose life. Choose the blessings. Choose the prosperity. Choose the spiritual inheritance. Choose the spiritual legacy. You have seen and experienced and suffered the pain and the, the, the struggle of one who did not choose life. Who chose death. Who chose destruction. So now the opportunity awaits for this family and it's going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to be a struggle, okay? This is not an easy thing. But to trust that God is in the middle of this experience, that Jesus Christ draws close, that he is the redeemer, he is the reconciler, that God will one day reconcile all things, even this thing will make sense one day. And commit to building a spiritual legacy within your home, beyond your home, to the generations from your home. Be the ones to change that trajectory, that legacy of brokenness and destruction. Be the one, be the change you wish to see in the world. Isn't that the, the, the saying? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Choose life. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy upon us all, but especially upon this family and their pain and their loss and their tears and their frustrations and their anger and, and the, the hurt, just the hurt and the loss, not just the loss of life, but the loss of a, a childhood or I don't know what. And so, Lord, we pray for this family that they might choose life, that they might change the trajectory, turn this around, and you are the faithful God who will bless and who will honor that choice of life and blessing and prosperity as Moses offered to Israel, so you offer to each of us, each of us, no matter what our family situation, the opportunity to choose life. Give us grace, open our hearts, soften us. Lord, enable us, strengthen us, carry us when we cannot choose life. <laughs> When our anger and our disappointment and our hurt prevent it, Lord, set our feet on a path of righteousness so that goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives and even beyond our lives. Hear us as we pray in the name of Jesus, the great Redeemer, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless each of you this day to, a, to be able to choose life and to choose Jesus and to choose the way of grace and truth and hope and forgiveness now and forevermore. Amen.